You're listening to Canada's Court, your home for all your Canadian basketball needs. Here's your host, Philip Drost. Welcome back to Canada's Court. It has been a while. Wow. Uh, they say yearning makes the heart grow fonder, so uh, hopefully now you just love Canada's Court even more. Um, and if not, that's my bad. I'll, I'll take responsibility for that. Uh, I would like to apologize for my absence. I started coaching a high school basketball team this past year, and that ended up, well, being very enjoyable, taking quite a bit of my time, so a lot less podcasts uh, for you guys. But I'm back, and I'm, I'm hoping to earn your affection back a little bit. And I've got two ways um, I'm hoping to do that. First is I've got two excellent interviews for you today, and... Canada's Court has a brand new look. New logos done by Greg Munn of Munn Marketing. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, you'll like it a little bit better than the cheesy picture of me with a bunch of Raptors gear on and a basketball that's on fire. I guess it just seems a little bit more professional. Uh, And I love it. I think it's a great look. I'm very excited about it. And uh, I hope you do too. But the uh, reason you're tuning in is the interviews. And on the next episode, I'm going to speak with Katie Heindel about uh, her experience at the NBA All-Star Weekend. She's a a writer and uh, podcaster uh, out of Toronto. But first, we're going to hear from one of the top players from the Canadian women's program. Uh, Niall Rancock-Akunwe has played over 70 games for the women's national team. And most recently, she helped Team Canada qualify for the Olympics at a tournament in Belgium. Canada went undefeated, beating Japan, Sweden, and Belgium. Now the team has its sights set on the Olympics this summer. Nayo Rankakakunwe has kindly agreed to come on the podcast to talk about the tournament and her career so far. Nayo, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hi, thank you for having me. First of all, uh, congratulations on qualifying for the Olympics. Very exciting. Thank you. Very, very exciting. What What does it mean for you personally to have helped the team team achieve this goal? Well, it means everything. Um, it's my greatest honor playing for Canada. I enjoy every minute that I'm with the team. So just being able to be um, a part of the team and contribute to the three three wins in whatever way I could it was really it was really special last week in Belgium. How quickly does it go from wow, this is awesome, we made the Olympics, to how are we going to win when we get there? Mm -hmm. I'm still enjoying the the, um, stress relief of qualifying, so I haven't um, thought that far ahead yet. It was quite stressful the month leading up to the qualification tournament in Belgium for myself, Um, I'm sure for my teammates as well. Uh, So right now I'm just, you know, enjoying the fact that we've qualified and I think in maybe a month or two, it'll the you know the the stress. It's not bad stress. It's good stress. We'll come back um, when we start to think about okay, what the job that we have to do at the Olympics. What? Where does that stress come from? You were saying you felt stress for a month beforehand. What does that kind of come from? Yeah, I, just personally for me, it's just the pressure that I put on myself to. I guess perform to to not let myself down. 
um, let the people back home down. Uh, you know, as, as athletes, we just want to win. We're very competitive people and we don't like to fail. So I think there was a lot of expectation put on us for this, um, this tournament back in, in Belgium last week. We were, you know, the fourth ranked team. We were expected to win. So there's always that, that bit of pressure, but um, it's a good pressure. We need that. It pushes us. I know it's uh I know it's a little early, but in your mind, what is the goal for Team Canada at the Olympics this summer? Our goal is to medal. Um, it was the same goal back in in Rio, and we had a disappointing outcome. Um, I think we're a stronger team uh, going into to Tokyo, and I think I think we have. A very a very good opportunity ahead of us now the the games from the weekend were televised uh what does it mean for you that the game was so these games were so highly publicized and on tv in canada mm -hmm. yeah it was great um to feel the support from from canada it was, it was amazing that you know my friends my family could just turn on the tv and tune in and watch watch me play which they haven't been able to do that since i want to say the last Olympics in Rio when our games are televised. Um, so it's, it's really exciting. I think the women's team, we have more and more support every year, and this just showed that people want to watch us, people, people support us, so it was great. What was that uh, first game like against Belgium? Now, I don't have the uh, airplane budget for the podcast, so I had to watch it on TV, but even on <laughs> TV, you could hear uh, how, how loud it was when you were, you were playing them. Oh yeah, they had a great, great crowd, an amazing crowd. They they have um, some good support for their women's team in Belgium. Um, you know, it was we like animosity though on our team, so the crowd just fired us up even more. Um, I know personally, I prefer to play in front of a crowd like that. They've been to the game. It's you know reacting to things and playing in a you know quiet stadium. So it was a really great environment to play in. Well, that, ha that that happens right for some of those um, those uh, international games when you're playing. It's two teams that aren't from anywhere near where the the games are being hosted. It can be a pretty quiet gym sometimes. Yeah, it depends where you go, but some fans are definitely more on the reserved side. Let's say when you go to um, Turkey, the Turkish fans are always quite rowdy, so that's fun. Um, and of course, some, some teams have a lot more support than others. Um, my team in Orenburg is a pretty, <laughs> it's basketball's popular. People come, but they aren't, you know, they aren't loud. They, they kind of just sit there and, and spectate. So to, to play in front of a crowd like in Belgium, it was very fun. Very, very fun. Now, uh, aside from playing in the WNBA, you are also played all over, uh, Europe. Uh, what is the craziest crowd story you've got? I know I've heard from some people who've said they've had to get police escorts out of cities. I understand it can be pretty crazy. Oh, wow. Craziest crowd story. You know, let me think about that. I, I would just say it was probably in France. Um, very competitive in France for, for women's basketball. People really come out and support and um, just 
feeling the hostility from the crowd sometimes when um when a call didn't go go to their team's way um just the feeling of being booed um it can yeah that that's the craziest thing that's happened to me really is just booing for but it's not just booing for a, cute, a few seconds it's the lasting you know lasting booing for maybe half a quarter so I haven't had any crazy stories actually but and you, <laughs> lucky so far you uh you won the uh championship in France I understand uh we won the French cup championship gotcha. so the cup championship and the league championship so we we won last year with my team in Bourges yes now one thing I don't people don't think people quite understand is how crazy your schedule is I understand that pretty much uh, right when you're going to be done your season in Russia you've got to go right away back to the WNBA yes so there really isn't a break um it's still yes yeah, so our our last game in russia will probably be uh towards the end of april um and the WNBA training camp starts april 23rd i want to say so yes it would be finish russian season go directly to WNBA season but actually at the moment it's still a little bit undecided if i will go back to the WNBA, um, I kind of want to to focus the attention on the Olympics. And I did take a summer off two years ago when we had the World Championships. I didn't play for the WNBA; I just played with Team Canada. So, um, still, still deciding what I'll do this summer. It's a tough decision, but yeah, seeing where my priorities lie. Fair enough. I I, I imagine it can be quite exhausting playing just that much year-round basketball it is it is it's mentally and physically very very tiring um i yeah i've been doing it for probably seven years now where i play professionally during the year and then in the summer either playing with team canada or the WNBA, and it's yes, I'm tired. <laughs> I'll admit it, I'm tired. I think that's so, fair. Yeah. <laughs> but you know I can't complain. This is, you know, the sport I love, my passion. I'm lucky to be healthy and to be playing. So I'll do it as long as I can, as long as the body holds up, knock on wood. Fair enough. Um one thing I wanted to talk about is your journey to where you are now. Now I haven't checked every Canadian uh pro player. But I imagine you're one of the few who really got their start playing university sport in Canada. There's not a lot of people who do that, especially at the uh, WNBA level. Yes. Um, so on our national team right now, it's just myself and our point guard, um, Maya Marie Langlois, who played um, it was in what was known as the CIS back at the time. So just the two of us, and then everyone else went through uh, the NCAA system. So it's it's not common. I know there are a few pros um, playing in Europe who played uh, in the Canadian League. But yes, like you said, it's very uncommon. But I wanted to get a good education. I wanted to stay close to home. Um, so I chose Simon Fraser University in Vancouver. 
It's where my mom graduated from. Um, they had one of the best basketball programs in the country at the time. And yeah, the decision just felt right. And I really don't regret it. Did you look at all at any uh, U.S. schools when you were trying to decide where to go? I did have some invitations to come visit some schools, but I never, I never took the, took the offers to even go on a visit because I was pretty set in stone that I would stay in Canada. It was, it came down between UBC and Simon Fraser, and um, yes, I really didn't even consider <laughs> the states. Now, when you were making that decision, were you hoping to play professionally afterwards? At the time, it was just my dream to play on the national team. I had, ne I really didn't even think that I would play professionally. That wasn't even a thought that crossed my mind. And my biggest, my biggest goal was making it onto the national team. And then I understand Simon Fraser went to uh, the NCAA uh, Division Two in your second year. Did you know that was going to happen? Yes. Um, Going into Simon Fraser, I didn't know it was eventually going to happen. I didn't think that it was going to happen so quickly. I thought that we'd have a few a few years on the CIS, and then maybe my last year, we transitioned into the NCAA. But no, in my second year, we went uh, we joined the league. And what what was that like switching over from playing Canadian teams to the U.S.? It was a very big transition um, in my in our first year. Then. We just won a few games. Um, I think we, we had a very small roster because a lot of, well, not a lot, a few players did leave our team to um, continue their education in, at other Canadian schools. So we had a very small roster, young roster. Um, of course, the American League is a lot more physical, a lot more aggressive, I think, than um, the teams we were playing in Canada at the time. So... Yeah, it was a huge adjustment, but it was good to see a different style of play um, to have more competition. Now I've got a uh, skill testing question here for you, a trivia mm -hmm. question, not skill testing really. Uh, do you know what former member of the men's national team, who was also on this podcast once, uh, went to Simon Fraser? Um, I want... To say maybe Jay Triano. <laughs> you got it. You got it. So okay. you are the uh, second Sim Simon Fraser alumni to come on the podcast. Okay, very cool. Yeah, Jay, Jay is the only um, men's basketball team alumni I know. So. <laughs> there you go. Um, now I understand that during your your start of your basketball career, when you were playing in middle school and high school. I read in a, a story online that you, you got cut from a couple teams. Could you tell me a bit about that? Yeah, so I, I lived in Toronto until I was, I'm going to say, 15. And yes, I, I tried out for under-15 provincial team um, in Ontario. I tried out for Center of Performance, which was just... Um, kind of just a training program for young athletes at the time. And I got cut from those teams. And looking back, um, you know, Ontario has a huge um, talent pool to choose from. So, yeah, I, I got cut. And we actually moved to British Columbia when I was in 11th grade, so 16. And I tried out for the under-17 provincial team there. 
and I made it. Um, and that kind of gave me exposure to some universities, Simon Fraser. So it was actually maybe a positive move uh, going from Ontario to BC because I did, I was able to join these programs, these provincial team programs, have good coaching. Um, but yes, back in Ontario, it was kind of, it's tough to make a name for yourself and with uh, such a huge, talented group of athletes. How, how discouraging was that at the time? Uh, it was very discouraging. I, it's, you know, it's not nice to, to get cut. It's not nice to make the team. I, I, I really hated trying out for teams, tryouts in general, but my mom kind of gave me that push that I need, a little bit of a forceful push. But looking back, I, I am so thankful that she, you know, she saw, she had confidence in me. She saw my potential and she pushed me to, you know, go back try out again and but at the time it was a it was a major letdown yeah i imagine some coaches uh looking back now i mean hindsight's always 2020 but i'm sure they have a few uh a few regrets here and there <laughs> well you know i was a scrawny scrawny kid i couldn't really shoot i, I was just athletic so honestly getting cut kind of i think you can you can um, use it as a good you know, motivator to, to fuel the fire and get better. So honestly, after I got cut, I worked on my skills. I, I tried stronger because I was getting pushed around like crazy. So, you know, I was honestly a positive looking back. What kept you going after that? Um, I just wanted to prove to people that I was good enough to, to be on these teams, you know, uh, prove to other people, prove to myself. And I, I loved basketball. I, it was, you know, I loved just going out and shooting, just playing by myself. Um, so it was never, you know, work to me. It's always fun. Why do you think you've been able to have the success you've had? Like we've, we've talked about, you, you didn't have kind of the, the usual route to going pro, you know, not making the provincial team in Ontario, not playing at a, a big Division One university. What what kept you, what what do you think is the reason you were, have been able to have that success, though? That's a good question. Um, I'd say just, just positivity, just, you know, never letting anything get me down, just... Um, keeping a level head um, and I just love basketball I love the sport and I think if I if I lost that passion if I lost that love I, it would for sure be easy to just stop and give up but I just love it too much I, I can't imagine a day without basketball you know so um, yeah I, I just you know keep pushing when when things don't work out your way and um, like you said I didn't uh, take the conventional route to to get where I am now but it's been fun it's been it's been a, a learning experience and you know I don't regret any of it now when I've talked to a few uh, different people about your career so far and one of the things that keeps coming up is your work ethic uh and obviously if, if you're able to improve so much and get to this level you're going to have some work ethic but everyone says that you just are one of the most hardworking people they know. Where do you think that kind of started? Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> that's nice to hear. Um, just I think it, it was it started when you know I was getting cut from these teams in Ontario. I I, I wanted to prove to myself, prove to other people, as as I said before, that you know I can play with these other players. So I think it started there. When I was getting cut, when people were saying I wasn't good enough, that's where the 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 work ethic started. That's where I formed, um, you know, this mentality that okay, I will have to work hard to to um, to make these teams to to be where I want to be, to make the national team one day, and then to play professional one day. I realized that I wanted to, you know, play professionally in university. So um, more hard work went in there. So. When did you decide you wanted to play for the national team? When did that become a goal? That became a goal um, in university, probably in my first, second year in university. Um, there was a pretty long history of Simon Fraser players playing on the national team. Um, Teresa Gabriel, she, she was always around um, at SFU. And, you know, I... I saw these players that had gone to Olympics, gone to world championships, and I thought, okay, I could maybe do that too. So, um, yeah, the first, second year, I said, okay, that's the new goal. And tell me about uh, when that goal got realized. I understand you played in the uh, universe, university ad. Am I saying that right? <laughs> uh, we call it the Fichu Games. <laughs> okay, university. okay. That's easier. Yes, that was my first big tournament with the national team. It was um, the university games. Um, but before that, before that, I, I did try out for this, the senior team at one point. I think that was after the Fichu, Fichu games. Um, didn't make the senior team. And so then that rekindled the, okay, you're going to cut me. I'm going to work harder to prove that I should be here. Um, but yeah, that Fichu Games, that was my first big tournament with the national team, and it was a great experience. Does it ever uh, get old putting on that Canadian jersey? Oh, no, no, never. I don't think that feeling will ever get old. It's uh, it's just the best feeling, being, being able to wear Canada across our chest. Um, I think Canada is just the best country in the world, so I, I'm always so proud every game that I can represent. Why, why is that so important to you, to, to be able to represent your country? I think there's just so many athletes that would love to represent their country, that, that would love to play at Olympics, national championships, or world championships. And I'm part of a select 12 at the moment that get to do this. So I really, it's a huge honor to be able to, to be, you know, the top 12 in my country. Um, to, to see where I have been, to see where I am now. It's amazing. And the uh, women's program has been doing really very well of late. What would you uh, attribute that success to? I know one of the factors is probably just the, the commitment and then the, the depth is what stands out to me. But what, what stands out to you? Um, yes, like you said, the commitment. Um, we, we have just bought into this program so much. We all believe in our ability to have success. And at this point, you know, I consider my teammates, my, my sisters, um, 
the fact that, you know, we can come together and just pick up uh, where we last left off. Um, our team chemistry is so good. And I think that's something that's always been a part of the women's team is our team chemistry. Um, I think that sets us or that puts us above some other teams that might have more talent than us. But we just enjoy playing for each other so much. And yeah, we just we have a lot of success because of that. Um, one of the things that I like asking uh, members of the national team about is uh, the um, the Pan American Games uh, <clears throat> in Toronto, and I know you were uh, a part of that team uh, that won gold there. T- tell me about what that was like. Yes, that was amazing. Um, that that was the first time that my mom and dad had watched me with the national team in person. So to be able to to play in front of them and to win gold at home, it was such an amazing feeling. It was, it was a great tournament. Um, beating the USA was the cherry on top. It's always amazing to beat the US. So oh, just one of my best basketball memories for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, now, do you think that the women's team is getting the recognition it deserves in Canada. We mentioned the more games being televised and things like that. Do you think people are recognizing just how good this team is? Um, I think more people are, are starting to see what a skilled team we are. I think more people are starting to care about um, women's basketball. And I think, Basketball in Canada is also just, um, it has so much momentum right now, so it is a good time for uh, women's basketball. I think, um, I don't I don't know about our coverage in the newspapers back home. Uh, my mom always, she subscribes to the Globe and Mail, and she always complains that there isn't enough coverage <laughs> on <laughs> women's basketball or our national team. Um, so I'm just going off of what she's said, but maybe, maybe you know, we have players in the WNBA, and I don't think there's ever really articles on that. So I think, of course, it could improve certain aspects, but at the moment, I'm, I'm just happy our games got televised, and yeah, that was a good first step. Uh, I like that you said you, you're going off of uh, what you're hearing for your mother, so there's not a bunch of... Uh... Canadian women's basketball articles in the Russian newspapers there? Oh, no. <laughs> That's fair. No, I haven't done uh, one interview <laughs> over here. So. Um, one of the things I, I think is kind of neat this year is that uh, you are now in a video game. How, you are in NBA uh, 2K20 this year. They have uh, WNBA teams, and uh, you're one of the players people can use. How does that feel? It's so cool, you know. It's um, my friend has the game, and I saw it for the first time. Uh, when was it? Yeah, a few months ago, and it's crazy. You know, I never thought I'd be in a video game. It really looks nothing like me, but you know, <laughs> my name is so I'm, I'm quite. Yeah, it's exciting. It's really, really cool. Maybe they can. Uh, they have some room to improve on that that end, I guess. But yeah, still pretty neat. Uh, what's the next uh, few months going to be like as, of course, you're playing with your team in Russia, but also preparing for the Olympic Games? Mm-hmm. 
Yes, so we won't be able to come together as a team until um, May. I think May is when our director said our first training camp will be. So until then, it's just going to be um, working on our game on our on our end. Um, you know, working and working hard in the weight room, getting stronger, talking to sports psychologists if we need to work on our mental game, but. Um, that's pretty much all we can do um, on our by ourselves. Um, leading up to our qualifying tournament in Belgium, we were watching quite a bit of video um, on our offense and our defense. So I'm sure that the coaching staff will give us clips to to um, you know study from our tournament in Belgium. Um, but yes, I think. Uh, May is when it will all really come together for our first training camp. For those who don't know, what are the uh, the teams to beat when it comes to the national level? Obviously, the United States is the one everyone knows. Who else is going to be the, the top competition when you head to uh, the Olympics? Yes, yeah, so um, Australia, Spain, and France are probably our biggest um, competitors. Um, Australia is second in the world, um, Spain is third, we are fourth, and France is fifth. So it's, it's going to be tight between, I think, um, you know, teams two to five. United States is kind of on a level of their own, to be honest. But, um, and also Serbia, Serbia is in the mix. They have a very, very good um, women's basketball team as well. So what's it going to take to uh, complete that goal and win a medal. I know you, you talk, you've got the commitment, you've got the chemistry. What's it going to take on the court? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, for each, for each team that we, we play against, there's, you know, different tactics, but something that we are always known for is, is how physical we play, how, you know, after teams play Team Canada, they, you know, they'll have bruises all over their body. So I think it's just our physical, our physicality that will, you know, wear teams down for 40 minutes and make them, make them, take them out of their game, you know. So if we can bring that to the Olympics um, and, you know, make shots, uh, talk on defense, run the floor, I, I think we'll be fine. You mentioned that physicality, and uh, you're one of the team's d top defenders for sure. What does that kind of put on you to be a be a leader on the defensive end? Mm -hmm. I take a lot of pride in my defense. Um, the coaching staff uh, have a lot of faith in me to shut down, you know, some of the the key scores on the other team. So. Um, I, I just want to lead by example, you know, and if people see me talking on defense, they will, they will echo me and they will talk on defense as well. If they see me pushing, and, you know, fighting under the basket, they will, they will also do this. So I'm just trying to lead by example and yeah, I love defense. <laughs> Has Hedda always been, because let's be honest, you don't hear a ton of people saying, I love defense. 90% of the time, it's I like to score. Where do you yes. think that love of just shutting down another team's top player came from? <sighs> Where did that start? I think, I think um, when I realized that, 
you know, offense, offense doesn't have consistency. You can have bad days some days. You can have an off day, an off week, an off month, you know. But defense is a choice, and it can be constant, and I like consistency. So if I can always be a good defender, um, that will elevate my game. So just knowing that defense is in my control is, uh, is where I started to love yeah, the defensive end. <laughs> when you're playing uh, against a top player, do you trash talk at all? Do you play any sort of mind games, <laughs> try and get in their head? I do not trash talk, no. Um, the way I, I try and get in people's heads is just by giving them a, a little shove here and there, a little elbow, trying to frustrate them in that way, you know, trying to just always having a hand on them. And if I feel, you know, the offensive person hitting my hand away, I know that I've I've gotten to them. So just just trying to be physical and get them out of their game in that way. You're definitely the uh, the kind of player that uh, I think people roll their eyes when they have to play against you. <laughs> Thank you. That's the goal. And now, uh, just as we wrap up here, you know, we talked about how you didn't take the conventional route. You it took a lot of work ethic. What what kind of advice would you give to to young players who've had to suffer setbacks in their career, and, and what would you recommend? Mm -hmm. I just recommend um, using any setback as uh, motivation. You know, if you get cut from a team you and you believe in your ability, then you need to show other people your abilities. So if that means getting some extra shots up, um, spending more time in the weight room, uh, these things are in your control, and uh, the outcome can be changed, so yeah, use setbacks as motivation. Now, I, I'm going to go just a little bit back here because I just saw this, but when you're uh, playing against people in Europe, can can there really be that much trash talk? I imagine there's a, def a, a bunch of uh, different languages being spoken on the court. <laughs> um, no, people's English over here is, is pretty good. Um, I... I've never been the recipient of trash talk, or maybe I just tune it out. <laughs> but or maybe people are just saying some sly comments in Russian, and I will never know. But uh, I have not received trash talk yet. <laughs> have you learned uh, much Russian? I know about four words, four <laughs> essential words. <laughs> well, there you go. That's uh, that's that's pretty much good enough, I imagine. <laughs> yes, that's all I need. <laughs> Well, Niall, I really appreciate you uh, being willing to come on the podcast. It was great to chat with you, and uh, uh, I'm looking forward to sharing your story with uh, more people. All righty. Thank you very much, Phil. That was Niall Rinkakakunwe, currently playing in Russia. He's played in the WNBA and is also a prominent member of the women's national team. Uh, if you like what you heard on today's podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Also, would love to hear your uh, Feedback on the new logo. We've got a new logo done by My Marketing. Uh, really excited to have that, and I think it looks absolutely spectacular. I'm very, very happy with it. And uh, I'm hoping you are too. I would love to hear your feedback. You can find me on Twitter at Canada's Court. You can also find me, there's a Facebook Canada's Court page. And uh, you can send me an email if you want, Canada's Court Podcast at gmail.com. Always. Love hearing from you. Uh, if you'd like to send any comments, suggestions, 
That'd be great. Also, please, wherever you're listening to this, make sure to leave a review, preferably five stars. Uh, but whatever you think it deserves, love getting your feedback on there. Uh, just really great to hear from people. That's all for this episode of Canada's Court. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.